Despite all the ongoing challenges, always are on a mission to hashtag end period poverty and help girls feel inspired and able to get back to doing the things they love. Since March 2018, Always have donated over 28 million period products. And this August, we'll be continuing their efforts by partnering with charities such as Beauty Banks, Inkind Direct and UK Youth to get more period products to those in need. Always, Superdrug and you on a mission to hashtag end period poverty. Welcome to the second series of The Beauty of It All. Now, this is the beauty-obsessed big sister that you've always wanted. Hosted by me, Vic Hope, with Superdrug, The Beauty of It All takes a backstage look at the beauty industry, the issues facing it, and all the news and discussions that you've been craving. In this episode, we're talking about hygiene poverty, what it means for those affected by it, and what we can all do to make a difference. And I'm joined by Sally Hughes and Joe Jones, who are the co-founders of Beauty Banks. Now, while Sally is an acclaimed broadcaster, beauty editor and writer, Joe is a renowned PR expert. And together, they've created the people-powered grassroots movement to tackle hygiene poverty in the UK. Welcome. How are you? We're good. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, Whereabouts are you at the moment? So I'm at home in Brighton by the sea, so you'll probably hear seagulls as we chat. And Beautiful. Joe's in temporary accommodation, aren't you, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our house is being renovated, which you may hear builders in the oh. background. So, um, yeah, I'm in Surrey, so not too far away. We, we can all be connected at this time. It's been, a, it's been a, a bit of a crazy time, but a time when actually what you're doing couldn't be more important. Can you explain a bit, actually, first, what is hygiene poverty for those who might not know? So hygiene poverty is an extension of poverty as we know it. So uh, it's what happens when people have very, very little money and are living in poverty. And hygiene poverty is what happens when people can't afford the everyday hygiene essentials that we throw into a shopping trolley or basket without really thinking about it. So toothpaste, deodorant, soap, shower gel, shampoo, conditioner, all those things that we use every day that everybody needs. Um, lots of people can't afford them lots of people have to choose between eating and staying clean Um, so at beauty banks we don't think that's fair we don't think that's right Um, and so we try to alleviate um, hygiene poverty in those people who are struggling and how many people in the UK does hygiene poverty affect we don't know how many people live in hygiene poverty we do know how many people live in poverty um so for example in this country um two in four children live in poverty um so two in four children don't have enough money and there are around 1.4 million people accessing emergency food bank supplies every year um and that's that's not the number of people accessing food banks that's the number of people accessing an emergency three-day supply who are in full crisis there are a great many more who have to access the services of food banks throughout the year Um, and that figure looks set to rise sharply post-covid with the expected unemployment figures rising and so what we do is we supply toiletries to food banks to homeless shelters to family centers to women's refuges um, and other charities helping people in poverty we supply them with beauty products and everyday essentials so you talked about such an systemic problem with hygiene poverty and 
I guess it can be so cyclical as well. So as you mentioned, Sally, you imagine you're going to a job interview and you don't feel like you, you're clean or you haven't been able to use deodorant or brush your teeth. You're not going to perform well. And the systemic poverty there, it just continues because you're not going to get the job and then you continue to be poor. I was worried about, I remember a couple of girls at school who couldn't afford tampons or sanitary products. Their confidence was really knocked. Is that something that you've come across, you've, you've noticed? I think we can, I think most of us can think of a time where the boiler's broken or the water has been switched off because they're doing work outside, right? Most of us have been in a situation like that where on that day we can't have a shower, we can't wash our faces and we feel gross, right? And we walk around all day and we just don't feel normal. We don't feel ourselves. You don't feel like you can work to the best of your capabilities. You don't really want to see anybody because you feel like you smell, you know, you just generally don't feel right. Well, for lots of people, that is a daily reality. They don't have toothpaste. They don't have um, a a hygienic toothbrush. They don't have the hygiene essentials or um, very often, obviously with our homeless clients, they very often don't have access to hot water. And imagine how that feels like every day of your life. And then imagine how that feels when you have to get a job, get some housing, go to school and mix with other kids. And imagine how kind of isolating and ostracizing that is. And I think if you just try and plug into that feeling of when you're boiling, was broken or when the water was switched off you get like one percent of the idea of how it feels for lots of people in this country who literally just don't have the resources and the money to feel normal yeah uh, what you said about dignity and self-worth and respect is is so potent and also actually this idea of feeling isolated at a time when we we are all isolated well that's just amplified a thousandfold um why is it so important to talk about right now? I think Sally wrote a feature actually for um, Grazia magazine when we started this campaign during COVID. And she just articulated so well, being clean has always been an issue of dignity, self-respect, integration into society. But now it's also a matter of being safe. You know, one of the very early messages of COVID-19, in fact, the first message was, wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands wash your body, make sure your clothes are clean, make sure that you're as, you know, that you were super hygienic, if you like. And if you're already struggling to be clean, then you can't afford to take those extra measures to keep yourself safe, safe from infection and safe from this pandemic that is, you know, touching so many people's lives. So for us, it's, it took on a whole different um, meaning and a whole different um, need, which is why we had to amplify what we were doing and we had to turn it up. And that was really difficult to turn up what we were doing because with all the restrictions that were then put in place with volunteers, with touching products, with accepting donations. So we had to try and find a way of doing more when we were operating within a much restricted um, environment. And I think that was a challenge for us, but one that we overcame pretty quickly thanks to the generosity of individuals and of brands who just stepped up to help. And I think it's helped us to be able to do 10 times more than what we usually do every single day. So 
It was really, it was I mean, really we've, quite We've incredible. done more, as Joe said, but also the need has become ever greater. That's the thing. It's sort of, you know, keeping on top of it is, is really difficult because what we've seen uh, during the COVID crisis, we've seen a huge spike in domestic violence. Uh, we've seen a huge spike in uh, violence against uh, children um, as well as spouses. And so lots of people are having to flee their homes unsafe with very little in the way of belongings. Plus, we have people very worried about their finances people on zero hour contracts not working people in casual labor not being able to access the furlough scheme there are all manner of new needs and then alongside that quite understandably lots of people are not thinking of giving to charity because they're so worried about their own finances they're so worried about their own families so it's this very strange unique situation where the need is spiking and either the willingness or the opportunity to donate is falling. Lots of drop-off points, for example, have been closed or were closed for the first uh, few months. So even if people wanted to give to us, they didn't necessarily know how. So it's it's been it's been a challenge for us, and people have really risen to it, as Joe said. It's been a challenge to us to show people how they can still help us from their lockdown situation. Well, we'll talk in in just a bit about how you've adapted to. The new normal, I hate saying the new normal, but that's that's the phrase that's been used because they're unprecedented time. There's another phrase we keep using, but it, it is a crazy time and it is so heartening to see so many people stepping up to the challenges that we face in trying to support the most vulnerable in our society. You mentioned um, victims of domestic violence, for example, there. There is no more frightening time to be asked to stay at home than when that means staying home with an abuser. And it is horrendous. But let's take it right back before we do that um, and talk about beauty banks. How did beauty banks first come about? Um, Were there people in particular that inspired the projects? Um, Sally, I understand that you did a documentary that that really made you, you think about what needs to be done. So I had been homeless myself when I was a teenager. And because of my experiences and various things I'd written on it, I was asked by the BBC to um, go and film um, a factual report on homelessness in Wales, in in Cardiff, where homelessness is a real problem. So I I was there filming that and I visited, I was doing some of my filming in a huge um, homeless shelter in Cardiff, the main one called the Huggard. And when I was there, I noticed that under the desk at reception, there was a couple of cardboard boxes that just had oddments of toiletries in them. So single tampons, single sanitary towels, a disposable razor, small tablets of soap that people had taken from hotels and so on. And when I asked where they'd come from, the staff said, well, we bring them in so that if one of our clients has a housing meeting or a job interview or um, a meeting with social services, or uh, one of our female clients has her period, uh, we're able to supply them with exactly what they need, which I just, I couldn't, although intellectually I knew that that must be an issue, just to see it was really stark and upsetting. And so I took a photograph of the box and um, I sent it to Joe. and Joe had been saying for a really long time that we needed to do something. We were both feeling quite frustrated with the political climate and, and, and with the various crises, Grenfell, and there were all manner of things that happened. We just felt very frustrated. And alongside that, both of us knew school teachers who were taking in essential supplies for their kids. So we both had really good friends who were school teachers doing that, supplying things that they really shouldn't have to supply to their pupils so that their pupils could get on with the business of learning. And so it was a kind of storm of all of those things coming together. I texted Joe and Joe said, 
what about food banks for beauty products? Let's call it beauty banks. And literally the next day I got home and wrote a column on it, launched beauty banks with a column. Um, all we had was a name and um, it just became huge within the first week. I think within five days we had an American film crew following us around from ABC <gasps> really? network. And we, we, yeah, it was just insane. And then we had... Um, Every magazine and newspaper was talking about us. We didn't really have a plan other than we desperately wanted to help. Um, and so within a couple of months, we seemed to be running quite a large charity, which is just quite bizarre, which is, um, has got bigger and bigger over time. But, you know, we feel really lucky and privileged to have done it and um, to continue to do it. And we've made sure that as we've got bigger, although our scope has broadened and we've been able to do more work we've still managed to keep it quite hokey and homely it's very personal um we're still we're still sort of flying by the seat of our pants and it's very much a people-powered movement as joe always says and and that's really important that we've kind of maintained that that it's remained enjoyable and fun and that we're still in really close contact with the charities well, that joe, we help. just looking at you know your previous experience having led the team at the communications store for 15 years working with like global bands such as Charlotte Tilbury, Glossier, and now running a brand building consultancy. How do you feel your past experience has helped with beauty banks? And is this something that you had ever thought about before when you were doing all that other work before? I think that it's hard. when you work in PR, you're so aware of how much stuff there is in beauty like how much that there is a lot of stuff. And I don't just mean, you know, products, I mean brands. There are new brands launching all the time. There are existing brands launching new products all the time. There is a lot of stuff out there. There is also a lot of waste. There's a lot of stuff that just ends up in landfill because brands have to protect the equity of their brand so they can't and they don't want it to end up in a pound shop or whatever. So there's a lot of stuff that goes to waste. So there's a sustainability issue there as well. And it just, that waste coupled with having friends that are teachers, as Sally said, that were taking in deodorants and pads for their school children so that they can, um, you know, be clean and be, you know, have enough products to look after them when they've got their period, just all sort of happened at the same time. It was all a lot of stuff coming together. So I think, the thing that we do have is lots of contacts between us. Um, we know more or less every, you know, we've been around in the beauty industry for quite a while, so we know quite a lot of people. But also, you know, being a PR is all about galvanising the troops, creating messaging that people can connect with. And just, you know, you don't want to have to, the thing with sort of branding and marketing and PR is that you don't want to have to educate someone on something because people don't have time for that. You just need to present them with a problem that they can understand and get straight away. And that's why the name works so well, because, and the sort of sub, you know, the sub headline of we're like food banks, but with personal care and hygiene products instead, it's got to be easy. It's got to be catchy. So that really helped. And, but, you know, really, I don't really think I'm a PR for this brand. And I don't think that Sally's a journalist for this brand. I think we are um, packers, movers, lifters, grafters you know it's a very or if we had I mean if we had time to be PRs and journalists for the work that would be amazing because we would create all this amazing copy and do all of these amazing PR things but we don't you know 
that's not really the sort of jam of beauty banks. It's much more of a roll your sleeves up, get on with it. How can we help? Yeah galvanize the troops get people involved it's not about having a business it's not about creating an opportunity for me and Sally to get ourselves in the newspapers or anything like that because god knows that's not our thing either so yeah it has been useful um but it's also it's it's given another way of thinking up about beauty as a whole because when you work in the beauty industry and you're very fortunate to work with the brands that I've worked with you you don't necessarily, you know, it, you know that brands are much more, beauty brands is not just about how it makes you look, it's about how it makes you feel. And there's a lot of good in beauty that does come with self-esteem and self-confidence and that we are able to use and to promote that positive side of beauty, which just makes me feel quite um, happy. <laughs> I am very long-winded, so you might have to edit me. No, it makes perfect sense. It feels like it comes from the heart, you know, this is what it's about, and it's about helping people. Um, And you're so right, like, when I heard Beauty Banks, I totally got what it was. It's really, really important that that's the case. People haven't got time to be educated. And and I think, you know, the will is there. To Joe's point, you know, I've been in this industry for close to 30 years. One of the recurring themes in my journalism is this is trying to dispel this ludicrous notion that women who are interested in beauty and fashion and in looking nice um, have nothing else in their pretty little heads, when in fact, every woman I know is politically engaged, is socially engaged, is intelligent, is funny, is busy, is empowered, and every woman I know quite likes to look nice. And those and those two things are not mutually exclusive. They usually go hand in hand, yeah. you know. I knew, just as Joe knew, that the beauty community and my followers and my readers and all the brands we worked with and all the colleagues we had, I knew that they cared and I knew that they were dynamic and liked to make things happen because that's what women do. And I think for so long, women who've loved beauty have been patronised and I can't bear it because actually, as we've seen, women who love beauty really, really get stuff done. We wouldn't exist if they didn't. I remember one of my favourite quotes came from um, Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, the writer, and she was like, you can love beauty and you can be a feminist. Just because I want to look nice and feel good doesn't mean that I'm not politically engaged, doesn't mean that I don't care about other people, doesn't mean I'm not passionate, doesn't mean I'm not intelligent. And I sometimes feel like the word beauty has connotations that feel superficial, but that we could shift that. And that's exactly what Beauty Banks does um, in the way that we perceive what the beauty industry can be and should be and what it what it does to how you feel um, and what it does for others. B by Superdrug have launched an amazing hair removal range. It's not what you want to be doing with your time, but here at B, we want to give you the choice on how you do it. We have a range of argan oil infused wax strips, shave lotions, gels and creams. Our range is not only beautiful on the outside, but also on the inside, as it's vegan, suitable for sensitive skin and all our formulations are cruelty free. We also have you covered pre and post hair removal to ensure that your experience is as easy as possible with lasting results. So give the B by Superdrug hair removal range a try today. Available in store and online. Prices start from just £3.49. Vegan, cruelty-free, suitable for sensitive skin. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about your work with Superdrug? Because I know that we we care deeply about shifting this perception of it, of beauty. I think it's Superdrug 
and it, it, and this must be said because we're so lucky we have we have several partners at different categories across the industry but superdrug were the early adopters weren't they Joe of beauty banks superdrug were in like Flynn and and as soon as we started they said what can we do how can we get involved and they have stuck with us throughout and they've been a really important partner for us um, one of the main reasons superdrug has been so great for us is that they're everywhere everybody knows superdrug everyone knows where they're near super drug is and so if they want to drop things in our bin so if they want to um, buy extra product and give it to us to help people living in poverty they know they can go to super drug and do that and into the bin it will go and that product will stay in their local community so we partner with our super drug stores we partner them up with a local charity so that if you donate to us in your local super drug that product will stay in a charity local to you so you'll be helping your local community and I think people see super Superdrug is so much part of their community, just like their local bread shop or, you know, whatever is on their doorstep. Superdrug is part of that community. And so it's really helped us to galvanize communities and help communities. That's been vital for us. Their ongoing support, I mean, frankly, their ongoing support has been has been absolutely vital to our survival and growth, would you not say, Joe? Uh, definitely. I think that, you know, we're learning as we go along. We don't have the privilege of the time to be able to strategize and create, you know, all these fun campaigns and whatnot. So we we work very quickly and we work, you know, you know, we come up with ideas and we put them into into place within sort of days, sometimes hours. And I love the fact that despite the superdrug are part of an enormous, enormous structure and an enormous corporate entity, that we can just cut through so many different layers with them and just get stuff done fast. And that's when you've worked with as many corporate companies as Sally and I have done, even to get an Instagram post put up can take a month, you know, because it has to go through legal and then it has to go through approvals and mm. then it has to go through all of this. Yeah. And super drug. I mean, I really had to check that nobody was drunk when they asked me to do that. They let me take over their Instagram account for a day. I've got nearly <laughs> a million followers. And I was like, okay, who do I have to get the, the, my posts approved on? No, no, don't worry, just post. And, oh, and gave me the login. And it's just that sort it's of you autonomy want. and that <laughs> lack of, like, they're not looking over your shoulder. They want to work with you. And they're not trying to put words into your mouth. It's all about just creating a very authentic um, partnership that people actually generally internally as well care about. I went and spoke to um, a load of the sales team there. Um, Sally and I were going to go together, but she, um, I think you, had, you couldn't go for some reason, something important. And so I went and spoke to them and it was just amazing to stand. I mean, it was obviously terrifying, but to stand up in front of all these people and for them to genuinely like care and want to do stuff. And the fact that, they're rolling out more bins in more territories, even during COVID when it's an absolute, can you imagine for that business, like it's a real hard time. It's, we're still a priority for them. And I think that that yeah. speaks volumes and they're putting us on the telly. I mean, you know we're lucky we're really really lucky and I also think the thing about Superdrug for us that's very appealing is the sort of democracy of it so you know we have some great commercial partners but what we what we didn't want is for you know a big posh brand to be helping the poor people do you know there's something about that that sits with 
that sits really uneasily. I think what's kind of magical about so Superdrug right. is that yeah. it's an every woman brand. There are the customer base is so diverse. You know, it's so diverse in terms of race, age, income, demographic, profession, and it's just part of everyday life for British people. And I think, and we really, really wanted that. We really wanted to have that kind of touch with everybody because it's not, it's not a case of rich people need to help poor people. It's we are a community. As a community, we need to look after one another. And Superdrug is part of the is part of the community. And that message is very important to us. It's about people coming together. It's not about saviors coming in and, and helping. It's about we all need things sometimes. Very many people in this country are only two paychecks away from um, redundancy, from poverty, from debt. And it could happen to any of us. And we all have a responsibility to each other. And I think Superdrug allows us to tell that story, which is so vital to our messaging. I think when something is so local and it feels so welcoming, um, part of your community, it feels collaborative. Um, it yeah. feels like the work that you're doing is tangible, meaningful. I think we've all felt more connected to our communities, um, especially yeah. recently. And when I, when I work with charities, I do so in Hackney because I feel like I know where it's going and know what's going on. I've probably seen that person on my street and mm. you're right. You might be in a position where you're donating, but you also might be in a position where you need to pick up, you know, it could go either way. Everybody knows someone yeah. who has fallen into poverty at some time or another. Well, it's certainly everyone I know knows someone like that. Maybe if you really do live in, you know, this very kind of untouchable remote elitist life, but most people know somebody who has been incredibly hard up and who has needed help. And I think it's really powerful to pe for people to know they can go into Superdrug and they can help somebody who could be their neighbour or could be their friend. And can you tell us a little bit about your work with the NHS? <laughs> Yeah, so um, at the beginning of the COVID crisis, uh, we started to get lots of requests from um, NHS staff who wondered if we might be able to help them. There were a few things going on. So although obviously NHS staff earn salaries and their jobs are probably more secure than most people's at this moment. Mm. Oh, you know, in the long run, right? At this precise moment. Um, but things were happening like they were working such long shifts that um, by the time they got to the shops, there was nothing left. There were no hygiene essentials. And um, there was also a real um, shortage of PPE, certainly in the beginning. So there wasn't enough hand sanitizer. There wasn't enough soap. And there were also at the same time, lots of brands coming to us and saying, we're making hand sanitizer. We're making hand cream. We're making all this extra stuff. Can you help us distribute it? And so those two things came together where we began and have been throughout the COVID crisis supplying large volumes of product to NHS hospitals, surgeries, and some care homes. We've so far um, reached around about 200 hospitals with some of them receiving multiple uh, deliveries from us. And it's been amazing, you know, the, the quality of product we've been given by I think something like 45 to 50 different brands um, has been amazing. And we're really proud that we've managed to continue that without um, downplaying or downscaling our normal work at all. In fact, we've upscaled that. So we've increased our donations uh, to charities um, helping clients living in poverty alongside a huge NHS operation. And it really has been huge and unwieldy at times. Um, but as I say, almost 200 NHS hospitals um, have been have received deliveries from us. So it's yeah, it's been it's been yeah, manic. I can imagine. It's quite good to know that you can take control during yeah. this time. And I think that 
when you feel so helpless and you're locked in your house and you just like everything feels a bit gray and a bit gloomy, especially the long, you know, it keeps going on and on and on to actually, you know, it's not completely um, without benefit for us. You know, it gives us so much joy, so much feeling of um, it takes away some of the helplessness that you can feel. And it's very sort of rewarding. So it's not all without its benefits for us. You know, it's kind of, it is hard work. We do both work full time. This is a side hustle for us that obviously we never would pay ourselves for. And we have to make time for it. And, you know, as well as make time for our families and all of that kind of stuff. But it's kind of, you said it the other day, Sally, and I, I just really, I just keep remembering it. You kind of, this was completely by accident. We just didn't know this was going to happen when we started Beauty Banks. But now you just can't imagine your life without it. Well, I like the image that you, you sort of depicted before of rolling your sleeves up and just getting stuck into cardboard boxes and like dragging them along. And tell me, we sort of touched on it, but tell me how operations have stepped up during the COVID crisis, how you have been managing this, how volunteers have been getting involved. What, what, does, a, what does a normal day look like where you're trying to help out? Well, there is, it's interesting because there isn't really a normal day because um, <laughs> it's, you know, it's all sort of, every day is very different, um, but in a good way. We are very lucky to have an incredible um, friend working with us called Lauren. She's a makeup artist. So during COVID, you know, she's not, what can she do? Um, and But she's also helped us from the beginning, um, just helping packing boxes and, you know, doing all the manual stuff that we do and being able to have someone who can help us with that administration and what goes in and what comes out is absolutely vital to us. So that has enabled us to do more. Before lockdown happened, we were sending out to about six charities a week. Bearing in mind, we're completely self-funded as well. Like nobody is... We are now starting to make some brand partnerships, but we're still in those early stages of that. The money that we have has come from largely from uh, donations from the public and from our, um, we did a go, we teamed up with GoFundMe and launched a COVID appeal. I think I was walking my dog and it was on a Sunday when Sally and I spoke to the GoFundMe team and we switched on that day. We expected we would, hoping to raise, I don't know, a couple of thousand pounds. And we raised 10,000 pounds within an hour. Jeez. I know. And within a day, we had raised Gosh. 50 grand. And then we raised 110,000 pounds in the end. And that was all through people, individual people, donations. So that's Well, it clearly touches people. Yeah. yeah. People I mean, clearly connect wrong. with it. We were like this every minute. We're like, oh my <laughs> God, it's 11,000 pounds. Oh my God, it's 12,000 pounds. You know, it was pretty life affirming, I have to say. It's a huge amount of money. And we have, we have, like, we are basically making every single penny worth 10. I mean, we are eking out as much as we possibly I mean, I think, I think what Joe is politely um, avoiding saying is that we're just shocking blaggers, Vic. We are absolutely <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Shocking. So Joe, mm-hmm. Joe managed to get an amazing executive car company to give us loads of deliveries free every week. She, she yes. blagged a van from a really lovely couple and we gave her a bag of really posh products. 
associate <laughs> we um my friend Paul Bursch, who used to be vice president of comms at Sony, um is now um, is, is now our trustee and he's constantly driving around hospitals all around the country for us. We are just shameless and uh, Mm. No, no. But if you if you've got blagging skills, that's what they're for. What better use could you put them to? Yeah. So, Do you know what so I mean? if we can get away with not paying for something, we will. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, it's great because we've been able to make sure that the money donated to us has really, really gone where it counts. You know, we've got a we've got a, like a gold chip design company called Design Bridge who do all our design for nothing. Our accountant does it for nothing. Our lawyers do it for nothing. It's just ridiculous. Everybody works for us for nothing wherever possible, which means we can really, really maximize those donations and actually help make people's lives better. We're, we're pretty, we will do anything pretty much for help and money. <laughs> If that's what it takes. And look, it shows that everyone's on the same page, that they care deeply enough to want to support that cause because they understand why it's important. Looking at the future, what plans do you have with beauty banks? So we've always said from the beginning that our ambition is to not exist. We'd really, really like that nobody needed beauty banks anymore because it's simply unacceptable that any family should have to choose between eating and staying clean. We see um, being clean and being hygienic as a basic human right. Um, And so we'd really love not to exist, but we are, are also realistic enough to know that as time goes on, the need for us is growing, not diminishing. Um, People are, um, being thrown into poverty with increasing regularity and in increasing numbers. And post-COVID, nobody is predicting that that will fall. Everybody is predicting that that will rise. So it's a question of continuing what we do, scaling up where we can. We now have several partners who are really helping to make that a reality. And we're also um, obsessed with the idea that every single town in the UK should have a drop-off point. So that really enables us to keep donations in the communities in which they were donated so that people can really feel part of the solution to their community's problems. And we will help them do that. And that's where Superdrug has been so important for us. We're rolling it out into far more Superdrug stores in the coming months, which means that most people will have a drop-off point near them. So I think that's our ambition, that every town in the UK will have somewhere they can donate toiletries and we will do the rest. Um, And we will make sure they get into the right hands for anyone listening right now who at this moment wants to help out wants to donate to beauty banks what can they do where do they need to look so you can um find our website which i'm sure Superdrug will link to in this podcast if you go into our website all the ways you can help are there but essentially you can either take your products to a beauty spot anywhere with a beauty banks poster in the window Superdrug is obviously the easiest bet for lots of people or you can donate to our gofundme if you just google my name and joe's name and go fund me um or you can buy from our online retail partner in bulk, um, eshow.co.uk. Those are the three main ways you can help. But also follow us on Instagram. You know, that's a really good way of helping us because it helps increase awareness and get our message out there. And we are at the Beauty Banks on Instagram. At the Beauty Banks. And Joe, how would you like the conversation around hygiene poverty to change in the future? I just think driving awareness of it as a as a problem and as an issue and just helping first of all we want to create change at you know at a deeper level. We don't want this. We don't want to be a sticking plaster for a problem. We want 
things to change at government level, you know, and we're working at what that looks like at the moment as part of um, an APPG, which is an all-party parliamentary group, with an incredible MP called Carolyn Harris, who's just really, just an amazing campaigning MP who's used to get it, who does get stuff done. I think at the moment, we're really looking at focusing on September when children, all children go back to school, of how we can support schools who really need our support. During COVID, we have been supporting schools that we already have a relationship with. A lot of these schools have had to open during um, the holiday. You know, there are lots of them are open anyway for key workers, but they've had to open the kitchen so that they can um, provide food to children who would normally get fed at school and whose parents now can't afford to to give them that meal and that we've been giving them toiletries and whatnot. So for us, it's always the immediate future, you know, rather than that long-term thing. As Sally said, the long-term things we don't need, we don't want to exist right now. That seems to be a bit of a pipe dream. So what we can focus on is schools, September, making sure that any school that we can reach, that's possible for us to reach, has access to products that could help their students to be clean and to be you know, safe and well and looked after. So that's our immediate sort of focus. I'm not really a long-term goal person because I usually let myself down. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to my world. Um, And finally, Sally, as someone who has been homeless and has harnessed that experience and has been connected with so many people through work, um, through your documentary, who, who have experienced that also, how would you say you can best support someone who might be experiencing hygiene poverty? There are lots. Of, there are lots of ways which you can help an individual um, experiencing hy- hygiene poverty. I think the really key thing is to understand that it's a thing. You know, just because you think somebody looks slightly different or smells slightly different, or it's really important not to make assumptions about them as a person because actually. People in general want to be clean and they want to fit in and they want to be like everybody else. And I think with children in particular, the stigma associated with poverty and hygiene poverty specifically is horrible. You know, we've we've worked with charities who are helping little girls who are scrunching up bits of newspaper and putting it in their underwear. We have worked with um, clients who have written to us saying a little boy wrote to us because we'd given him um, a Ted Baker shower gel. He'd had a Ted Baker shower gel from our donations and said it was the first lovely thing he'd ever owned. You know, it's it's so... It, it's it's it, it makes us very emotional it's yeah. it's really really heartbreaking and yeah. I think the best thing you can do for people is to understand that their circumstances are rotten luck they did not choose them and you are not helping by not feeling empathy and sympathy by judging you are not helping and on a practical level think about what you can do to help Think about, can can you spare a couple of deodorants, a couple of bars of soap next time you're in Superdrug? Can you spare that? Could you spare a little bit of time to work in your local food bank? Could you just be a good neighbor and help out a bit? These are things that all of us can do. They make you feel good and they make other people feel good. Just don't judge. There are so many people in this situation and any one of us could be in this situation in a month's time. So pay it forward. If you are compassionate to people in this situation now one day you might feel glad that you were because you'll need someone to be compassionate towards you I think that is the the perfect way to end this thank you so much 
it hurts when you think about it and I guess so it should but there is no better feeling than knowing that you could build someone up because you never know where that could take them just that little bit of confidence a little bit of quality and get your kids involved you know one of the things that Joe and I were always really keen to do was get our kids involved I don't want my kids thinking you can always have everything you you know that bars of soap that toothpaste are things that we can take for granted because they're not and actually kids need to understand that other kids are in difficult situations and that everyone needs to muck in you know children shouldn't have a sense of entitlement so if you can get your kids involved in the giving as many of our supporters do we get loads of stuff from brownie troops and cub scout troops and so on and it's brilliant because actually if you get kids involved in helping others now you're building a better future you're building a more compassionate future yeah yeah understanding that life is not fair we're not all born with the same privileges but if we do have privilege then we need to use that and we have a responsibility we harness it and we try and make the world a better place which is exactly what you guys are doing thank you so so much joe jones and sally hughes it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you and thank you for helping us know more about a really important issue um if you listening now want to help out, want to get involved, um, we mentioned there all the ways that you can. We're going to post it up as a link uh, alongside this podcast. Thank you for listening. I've been Vic Hope. This has been The Beauty of It All. Bye. Bye.